One Foot Down podcast. I am Eric Murtaugh. This is episode number 26, part one of our spring practice preview. Uh, we'll bring you part two later this week. Um, this first podcast, we're going to focus on the offensive side of the ball. To talk with me about Notre Dame fighting Irish football today, we have one of our writers, Lars, our favorite Canadian, back on the podcast. How are you doing, Lars? I'm doing awesome, Eric. We're uh, pretty excited up here in Canada with uh, the men's and women's hockey team winning gold. Just had to make sure that I got that in there, and now I'll leave the uh, hockey talk out of there. But yeah, we're doing good. Lots of bruised souls among the Americans here uh, in the United States. So uh, um, personally, I'm happy to see Canada win. I know a lot of Americans probably feel that way, even though there's a bit of a rivalry there. Uh, better Canada than some of the other countries, especially Russia. Yeah, and I think the same it works in reverse in, in Canada, certainly. Yeah, if we're not cheering for Canada, we're cheering for the States, for sure. All right, that uh, friendly border is always a good time. Um, we're going to talk about the offense today. Um, we'll go right through the, each position group, uh, see what some of the questions are, um, and then we'll get your thoughts on uh, you know how things are going to break out this spring. Obviously, a lot of the freshmen aren't going to be there that just signed in 2014, only two early enrollees. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, only one player, Justin Brent, a wide receiver, and uh, perhaps we'll talk about him. But let's tar- start with everyone's favorite position, the quarterback position. Um, in my post that's coming up uh, Monday morning, um, one of the things that I focused on was um, just how rusty we think Everett Golson will be, not just uh, in terms of... Uh, you know, him throwing the ball and stuff like that, but also him picking up the playbook again, um, fitting in with teammates, and also maybe the biggest thing with Golson is uh, becoming a leader on this team and putting the pass behind him. Uh, what are some of the things you're looking for with Golson here in this, this spring as he's back with the team in, in an official capacity again? Yeah, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, Eric, particularly with that first part, is just how rusty is is he going to be. And I would suggest that he'll be fairly rusty. I think it's going to take him a little while to get back up to game speed. And and I think it's important to kind of put the brakes on a little bit for Irish fans. You know, we all expect great things out of Golson. I think the last time we saw him play, he played very, very well in the national championship game. But the reality is he's still a very young quarterback. He really only had one year of of starting experience, and it was a very up-and-down year, even right until the end of of that year. So I think it's important for us to remember that even had he have been back next year, I think there would have been some growing pains still, and I think he still has um, a lot that he needs to learn and a lot of growth, room for growth in his game. So I think when you add in a year away from football, um, that's just going to make the situation, it's going to amplify the situation, make it a little more difficult. So I think we're we're definitely going to see some rust on uh, Everett Golson, and, and certainly that's going to manifest itself in terms of you know, some of the timing with receivers and that sort of thing. And just, I think we're going to see some inconsistent play with him. But, uh, you know, obviously I think the arrow is pointing up for him and, and certainly very excited to have him back on campus in, in an Notre Dame uniform. So this isn't probably a case of where he's going to come back and the, the offense and the team is going to be hitting the ground running and full speed ahead. You don't think that's going to happen? No, I don't think so. I think what we'll likely see is, you know, sort of, you know, initially in, 
in maybe the first game it'll look good, and, and but I think once they start to get into the year and once um, there's a little more tape on him and defenses have a, an opportunity to adjust to what he's doing, I think um, we're going to see a little bit of a dip there, and, and I don't think we're going to see him hit the ground running. Um, I think it'll take some time. I'd be very happy to be wrong on that prediction, but um, you know I think that's, that's what's going to happen. Now, one of the things... Uh since he's been away that people have been able to monitor, I guess, and talk about a lot is his weight. Um, he was listed at 180 as a redshirt freshman in 2012. Um, Brian Kelly did, man did manage to say, I think it was before the national championship game, that he had dipped under uh, 180. I think he said he was 178 or something like that at some point during the 2012 season. Um, he was rumored to be about 190 when he first went to work with George Whitfield this past fall and got up as high as 204 pounds. Um, I'm kind of skeptical about him putting on that much weight, and even some of those videos you saw, I know one with Sports Illustrated, he looked almost uh, chunky and a little bit husky. Um, is there kind of a, a perfect weight that you think Golson could play at as he's now become an upperclassman and has two years left of eligibility? Yeah, uh, oh boy, I, you know, I don't know, um, but I think you raise a couple good points there. First of all, I remember um, the first year that I played in university where I actually started in that and trying to manage, you know, school and being a starter and balancing my nutrition, and I probably lost a good 10 pounds over the course of that season, and as I progressed in my career, I got, uh, I certainly got better and better at managing that weight managing my time and all those sorts of things but I you know at that age um, you know that kind of 19 to 23 years old it's very easy for you to put on weight you can pretty much look at a at a dumbbell and, and put on muscle um, so certainly it's possible for him to make those gains and for that to be good weight um, you know when you're away from the team and you're away from the structure and you're away from a structured strength and conditioning program I wouldn't be surprised if he's put on some bad weight and I don't know what his optimal weight would be somewhere probably I'm guessing in that 200 to 205 range you, you know like you said you don't want to become chunky because I think a big part of Everett Golson's game is that ability to kind of move and slide and and be light on his feet and and create and and I think when you start to get over that 205 pound range I wonder if it starts to negatively impact that. All right, so obviously Golson is not the only quarterback that will be with the team for the spring, but there's not going to be many others. Uh, the only other scholarship quarterback with the team is Malik Zaire, um, coming off his redshirt year, uh, entering his second spring with the team. He performed pretty well in the spring game last year, um, showed off a nice arm, got a, a bit of a slow delivery, or at least he did back then. Um, a pretty good runner. Um, Maybe not as quick or dynamic uh, in, in short burst as Golson, but uh, a kid that can definitely gain some yardage on the ground and open it up. Uh, I know he's a little bit shorter like Golson, um, a little bit heavier, uh, maybe a little bit more of a powerful runner. Um, you know, Zaire was a guy that we talked about a lot this past fall. Uh, you know, CW wanted him to start right out of the gate. Um, you know, a lot of people wanted to see him play. Obviously, his mono pretty much put him on the shelf no matter what, even though the coaches kind of made it clear they wanted him to sit out the entire year anyway. Now he goes from, you know, third string, fourth string, not even really becoming a threat of playing at all to really being one injury away from being the starter with his team this fall. What are you looking at um, from Malik's ear this spring? What do you want to see out of him? What are some of the things you're looking for? 
Uh, the biggest thing I'm looking for is his grasp of the offense. Um, when you watched him play last year, he made some nice plays and, and did some things, but you could tell that uh, you know the game was moving pretty fast for him and he didn't have a full command of the offense. Um, so that's the biggest thing is just can he get out there, can he command the offense, You know, is he crisp in terms of his reads and his progressions and those sorts of things. Um, I think, like you say, he's a, he's a bit of a thicker guy than... Uh, than Golson, so you can see him being a little more involved in the run game. Um, and then in terms of his mechanics, just probably some of those little things, like you said, tightening up his throwing motion a little bit, and uh, again, just making the right reads. He uh, he threw a pick, for example, in, uh, in the spring game last year that was just a classic rookie interception. So we need to see those things going away. We need to see... Um, progression in terms of his ability to make the reads and make quick decisions and run the offense and then just uh, overall feeling a little more comfortable with with the game it'll be really interesting to see him he's one of the guys that I think we're all excited to see and, and see that development and see how much growth has occurred this one year uh, is there any concern with him being a left-handed thrower at all well, actually I throw left so uh, me too no, I, I, oh do you oh there yeah. we go yeah um I don't know. I've I've heard I've coached lefties, you know, in my coaching career, and and it wasn't a huge transition. I've heard some people say that you know receivers have a little bit of a tough time adjusting to the flight of the ball. I guess there's you know some concern about you know who your right tackle is now because your right tackle is like your left tackle with a right-handed quarterback. But no, I don't think it's a huge issue, and uh, I think the level of athlete and the level of coach there at Notre Dame will be able to adjust pretty easily. Okay, let's move on to the running back position. Um, Irish lose George Atkinson, currently at the NFL Combine, working out for NFL scouts, trying to make a, uh, trying to get drafted and possibly try to make a team if he doesn't get drafted. Um, Notre Dame brings back Cam McDaniel. He'll be a senior this year. Uh, this will be his last year of eligibility. Um, Amir Carlisle is another player on the roster. Um, redshirt junior, he has two years of eligibility left. Um, will Mahone will be a rising redshirt sophomore. And Terrian Folston will be a rising sophomore. The Irish also have Greg Bryant, who played a little bit last year, but had to sit out the, the bulk of 2013 with a knee injury and got a redshirt year. He'll be a redshirt freshman this year. Now, not losing a ton of production here for the Irish Um by the end of the year, George Atkinson was basically the third running back. Um, but still a lot of questions here for this position. Um, obviously, Folson had a big year. Um, in my article, I mentioned he had the most rushing yards for a true freshman since uh, Walker actually broke a school record in 2004. So that's a nice year for Folson. People kind of expect him to be the number one guy. Um, you have to think McDaniel will always be in the mix until he graduates what are the, some of the things you're looking for here from this running back position as all five guys will be here in the spring? Oh, boy. You know, I was thinking about this before we started the podcast, and it's a really interesting group to watch. Probably the number one thing I'm looking for is just who's going to be the number one running back. Is somebody going to step up and uh, and become that guy? And to be honest with you, I don't know who it is. I mean, Polston's obviously the guy who who most would think that's going to step up and take that number one spot. But you've got a bunch of other guys there who are 
every one of those guys that you mentioned are absolutely capable of being number one backs. And I know some people will say, well, Will Mahone is a number one back. When when I've seen him play in the spring and on different uh, practice clips and that, he's a, he's a very good football player. And people will certainly question whether or not Cam McDaniel can be a number one back. Um, you know, I absolutely think that he can. And uh, I think he's a, he'll be a very valuable player for the Irish next year. And and his senior leadership, I think, will be very important. And then, you know, Greg Bryant, like, I'm just really excited to see him and, and get a good glimpse of him in spring. And then can Amir Carlisle turn it on? And I, they all have so much potential. There's just a, a huge amount of talent there, but also probably an equal number of question marks. So, uh, yeah, I just can't wait to see these guys uh, live and in action. Now, Mahone actually was in the slot last year during August, during fall yeah. camp. You see him moving back to running back with only four other guys on Yeah, yeah, I do, Eric, but, you know, I don't know. I'm still a little mystified uh, in terms of, you know, what the staff envisions this slot position to be, and particularly the connection with running back. We haven't really seen that come to fruition. I mean, we've seen the odd carry from the slot position. We didn't see a lot of it last year. We saw a lot more of actually T.J. Jones motioning in. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I until they figure out that slot position, I would rather see him at running back, to be honest with you, and, and uh, see if we can use his talent there. It's kind of hard to picture him in the slot. He's kind of a downhill, powerful runner. Uh, I was wondering what the coaches kind of saw there. Um, Amir Carlisle is the one guy I kind of focused on in my article. Um, you know, tons of promise, really high expectations last year. Um you know, got a lot of carries early in the season, but only finished with three carries over the last five games. Um, definitely he's going to be a player who's going to be a big part of the special teams as a return man. Um, you know, wouldn't count him out as a as both a kick returner and the punt returner this fall. But uh, do you see him as someone who could break in as maybe a top two runner on this team? I think he's going to have a pretty tough time being in the top two or three. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him. For me, the big question mark with him is his vision and his ability to make people miss. And coming into the season, you know, I thought what we were getting was more of a perimeter type player, maybe a guy who could be out in the slot, a guy who made people miss, um, you know, who was kind of electric in space. And instead what we got was a guy who ran very, very hard. I mean, there was no question about that, but didn't show great vision and didn't show great ability to make people miss. And, and so... I'm just wondering, you know, what exactly is Amir Carlisle? Because right now what we saw is he's a 190-pound back that runs like he's a 220-pound back. And and so I don't know exactly what he is, so I'm really interested to see that. He certainly showed some promise on uh, on kick returns, and, you know, I think, he's a, I think he's a talent. I think he's the kind of guy that... Um, that we need to develop, and and hopefully he'll he'll have a bit of a breakout season and get a little more confidence. And keep in mind, there's a perfect example of a guy who missed a year of football and how difficult it is to come back from that. So I think that had a, a real negative impact for him. And then he, he just lost some confidence, and once that happens, it makes it really tough. Yeah, this is going to be his third spring at Notre Dame, if you can believe that or not. And it actually should be his first, God willing, that he's healthy. Um, when he first transferred from USC and got his waiver, he could have played that first year, but he ended up having an, uh, that ankle injury that lingered pretty pretty into August. And then last year, he breaks his collarbone. I think it was in the first practice, maybe the first one or two practices. So 
this will be his first spring where he's healthy, and uh, hopefully he stays healthy, and I think that could uh, go a long way to rebuild his confidence. So yep. let's turn our eyes towards the uh, the receivers here. Lots of bodies here. Um, if we include Luke Massa, um, who's coming back for a fifth year, and Justin Brent, the true freshman who has been on campus since January. Nine bodies in total here. Well, excuse me, eight. Um, I didn't factor in the uh, suspension of DeVaris Daniels. So I guess the biggest thing here is who's going to step up with Daniels out of the lineup for the spring. Um, lots of opportunity here. Do you agree? Oh, I, I do. And, you know, as I was kind of preparing for this, I was kind of going through the roster, and I didn't even know what to put down. There's just so many bodies there um, and just a lot of talent. But, again, um, like we see throughout the roster, a lot of talent, lots of potential, but not a whole lot of proven players. Um, you know, the one guy who stands out to me a little bit based on his performance at the end of the year in the pinstripe bowl is uh, is Chris Brown. I'll be very interested to see how he does this year. Um, he's certainly a guy that we expected to see a little bit more uh, over the course of the season, and, uh, and his performance in the pinstripe bowl gave me some hope that uh, we might see a breakout season from him. Yeah, he did have a really good game. I'm actually pulling up his stats right now. Um, career high, five catches for 54 yards in that bowl game, uh, 10.8 yards per catch. Um, I think he's probably the one guy everyone's going to look at and say, you know, you're you're a veteran, you're a leader, this is your third year, and we need you to step up here without DeVars as our number one guy. Hopefully they can come out of spring with Chris Brown kind of being that number one guy and then get some good competition with DeVars as that top receiver. Um, I know we haven't seen a whole lot out of him, only really recruiting tape, but Torrey Hunter has kind of been one player that everyone's talking about as someone who could break out and have a really big year. Um, I know the coaching staff has said a lot of good things about him, particularly uh, Brian Kelly has said numerous good things about him, um, a lot of you know practice rumors here and there that he's maybe the most explosive player on the roster. Um, I think they he's kind of one of those guys that they'd like to put in the slot. I know Brian Kelly said that that's where they wanted to put him uh, before he uh, broke his femur last year. Uh, anything to add on Torrey Hunter and possibly what he could do this spring? No, I, other than I'm really excited to see him. Because uh, like you said, there's only so much you can glean from watching uh, you know, a high school highlight tape or even high school game film just because the level of competition is so uneven. These guys that... Notre Dame recruiter just so much physically better than everyone else that they're playing that it it's sometimes tough to gauge. So yeah, we've definitely heard some rumors that uh, that he's looking pretty good. So he's one to watch. Those uh, those broken legs always worry me. Um, you know that's a pretty serious injury, and those are some pretty big bones to be breaking. And and uh, so I just hope he can come back healthy. And if he does, he's going to be very very interesting to watch. Now let me ask you this: out of the uh these four players, is there one kind of sticking out to you you think can break out or hoping you could break out out of Anualu, Robinson, Fuller, or Procise? <sighs> yeah, Tough call. You know, I, yeah, I knew you were going to ask me something about like that. <laughs> there isn't a whole lot to, to separate the group. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, Procise is a guy that I really like and I'm really curious about. Um, you know, I don't... I'd like to see him get a little more of a shot. I, I think he's a very, very intriguing athlete. But I think all of those guys can play, and they all add some different elements. And in terms of Robinson, 
you know, and all those guys. But really, in terms of Robertson, the the interesting thing for him is going to be can he develop into a complete receiver? And uh, so that'll be something to watch for this year. Is he a guy who can run all the routes? Is he a guy who can block and those sorts of things? Okay, lots of uh, I would term it good question marks at receivers. I'm kind of excited to see all of those guys and what they can do this spring. Tight end is another position uh, we probably couldn't say the same. Trey Nicholas departing. He's at the NFL Combine working out. Uh, he leaves behind 32 catches, 498 yards, and five touchdowns from last year. Um, the only other tight end with experience is rising senior Ben Koyak. He caught 10 passes for 171 yards and three touchdowns last year. Um, Koyak came on pretty strong towards the second half of the season last year, which is nice to see. Um, now a lot of people think that he could really have a big year this year. Uh, one of the most highly ranked tight ends at Notre Dame is uh, brought in in the past few years, and that's pretty that's saying a lot with the way they've been able to recruit. But um, you know, we're just working with three tight ends this spring: Mike Hurman, Durham Smith. Definitely need both of these guys to step up this spring. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And you know, we certainly have the rep- uh, the uh, reputation as tight end university, and and for good reason. But uh, our depth is going to be challenged there significantly this year, and it'll be very interesting to see how these players develop. Uh, I'm a big Ben Koyak fan. I, you know, last year I picked him as my sort of breakout player, and that didn't really come to fruition. But but it was close. Um, I think you know, and the thing about Koyak and sort of his struggles. I, I don't know if that's even fair to say that he's struggling. His his progression in in the Notre Dame offense has been good in that. You know, he kind of didn't come in and necessarily have success right away, and in particular, he didn't come in and have success as a, a pass catcher right away, and in some ways, that was a really good thing for his overall long-term development because it forced him to take on a role of, of blocking and learning to become a good inline blocker, and which he wasn't, you know, certainly at the start of his career and, and struggled at times last year, but he got better and better and better, and so he's got that foundation as a good blocker, and I, you know, I think he's always had good ball skills, and I think we saw them demonstrate in the latter half of the year, so I think we've got a guy there who could be very, very good, but, you know, the development of these young guys is going to be absolutely key, and as we've seen from the last few years from Notre Dame, it's really beneficial when we have a couple good tight ends and we can run some two tight end sets and, and some a variety of things out of those sets. So that's going to be very important to how our offense develops for sure. Now, Smith is a little uh, bigger than Huerman. Huerman's kind of a lankier pass-catching tight end. Do you think that gives uh, Durham the edge this spring is more of a blocking tight end, something that Notre Dame probably is looking for out of the yeah. gate? Yeah, it does, and the you know the trend at Notre Dame has been that you sort of it's not always this case, but typically you start off they sort of have a pass catching tight end and more of an inline blocking type tight end, and that's kind of been the progression. And so uh, you know Ben Koyak will probably move more into that pass catching uh, role, and so I'm uh, you know my guess is they're looking for more of an inline blocker and someone who can uh, seal the edge and and uh, lock up with linebackers and defensive ends. So, yeah, I think that, uh, that'll that tip the scales there for sure. All right, let's take a look at the offensive line. Um, probably the deepest position on the entire roster. Um, but still some question marks. Losing Zach Martin at left tackle, Chris Watt at left guard. Um, I believe the, the team will be working without 
Nick Martin at center for the spring. Uh, Mac Haggerty got a start, I believe, towards the end of the year uh, after Martin's injury, so uh, he's got some experience. Um, Christian Lombard um, had a back injury that made, saw him miss the end of 2013. He's at right guard, so that's also someone else. I don't think they'll be working at least 100% uh, during the spring. So a lot of a lot of positional battles here. Um, you know, I don't want I don't want you to try and guess what the starting lineup's going to be, but uh, kind of what are your overall thoughts with the offensive line as we head into spring practice uh, in the next week? Well, the first thing that jumps out, again, it's that same thing. You know, there's a tremendous amount of potential there, but but a number of question marks. Um, we're in a much better place when it comes to the offensive line than we were a few years ago, and certainly uh, than we were at the start of the Brian Kelly era. So there's a lot of talent there, and I think they're very well coached, and, um, you know, that's a good group to watch. There is no question in my mind that we're going to miss uh, – Zach Martin and Chris Watt. Um, not that we don't have good players, talented players coming in to replace them, but to have those two on the left side and just the stability that they brought is uh, was a really nice luxury for the Irish, and we're and we're definitely going to miss that. But there's a a tremendous tremendous amount of talent there, and really there's some some battles going on that's you know it's going to be unbelievable. Like you know at the start of last year. You know, you look at a guy like Steve Elmer who is, you know, was looking really good in camp and was pushing for some playing time and, you know, then got an opportunity to start. And now to suggest that he may be in a battle to even get a starting position is is uh, unbelievable. And, you know, you say the same thing about a guy like Christian Lombard coming off an injury. He's not a, a shoe-in to start anymore. And I think a couple years ago it would have been, it would have been unquestioned. So... That's a very interesting group. There's uh, a little bit of experience all across the board, but uh, there's nobody who's who's you know a really bona fide veteran that okay we know this guy's playing here and he's got a proven track record of a, a high level of play here. Um, you know maybe your only guy you could say that about is is Ronnie Stanley, but I don't think he's even in that category yet. So it's going to be very exciting to watch. So if I could break it down a little bit, I think it's pretty safe to say that the two centers are going to stay where they are. Um, Hegarty is probably going to work with the first team while Martin sits out. Um, but, you know, those guys will be one-two at center. Um, I guess you could make the case that Martin might move to guard if Hegarty proves to be a, a really good center. But uh, for the time being, let's just assume that those guys are staying at center. Um, would you agree probably the biggest thing coming into spring practice is uh, seeing where, who the tackles are going to be. And in your opinion as a coach, would you keep Stanley at right tackle just because he played there all last season, or would you think about moving him to left tackle and maybe putting Elmer at right tackle? Yeah, I mean, um, ideally I would want to keep Stanley where he is at right tackle. That's the ideal scenario. Yep. Okay. And then, and then uh, look at Elmer at the left tackle, um, you know, or one of the other younger guys, um, I'm forgetting his last name now. McGinchley? Uh, yeah, McGinchley, thank you. Um, you know, maybe looking at him as a left tackle, but ideally I'd try and keep Stanley on the right. I like that continuity, and that's the way I, that's sort of my bias. Now, if Stanley's clearly, clearly the best player and, and the best fit for that left tackle, then off he goes. But ideally I'd keep him at the right tackle if I could. Okay, we've made our way through all the positions. Um, is there anything you want to talk about in terms of scheme with uh, 
a new offensive coordinator, Brian Kelly, calling the plays. Uh, is there anything you're kind of going to be looking for in spring practice in terms of uh, the offense being any different? Uh, yeah, you know, in the in all of this talk about players, I kind of keep forgetting that we've got new coordinators, although I guess Brian Kelly, you know, I mean, he's really going to be the, the offensive coordinator, so in some ways that isn't a change. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see some of the subtle changes, uh, and you can even notice them in the pinstripe bowl that there were some changes in terms of types of plays that uh, that Kelly called. Again, for me, the biggest question mark for me with Brian Kelly's offense is what is he going to do with that slot back position? and How are they, what's their vision with that? And, and the rest of them are less schematic for me and more about just getting the right people in the right places. But I'll be most interested to see what they do with the slot. I personally, I'm not super hung up on the, uh, on the huddle or versus no huddle thing. I think You'll definitely see them run a little more, um, a little more up-tempo stuff. But I don't think you're going to see. This is not going to be a full-time up-tempo team. Um, all you have to do is look at the offensive linemen that they've recruited, and and uh, and you know that this is not going to be a full-time up-tempo team. Um, they're going to take the time to grind it out sometimes, but it'll be nice to see them go fast when uh, when the situation warrants. So that should be pretty exciting. And then uh, can we get the run game going again? And you know, and I've been a little bit critical of Brian Kelly, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I've always thought that he has a little bit of a tendency to get away from the run, 2012 being an obvious uh, exception. But I think in his heart of hearts, at his core, um, he would tell you that, you know, he just calls the right play based on the situation and what the defense has given him. But I think at his heart of heart, um, he's a guy who likes to throw the ball. and uh, And so... You know, if the running game has taken a little bit of time to develop, will he continue to be patient? And I think that's one of the things that uh, Chuck Martin brought when he was in, you know, in the booth and calling plays and that sort of thing is is he would, I think, remind Brian Kelly to be patient So, with, with, uh, with the run game. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right, cool. I think, you know, kind of just building off what you said, there's kind of four things that I'm looking at. Um, up-tempo, obviously you talked about it. Uh, I'm going to be looking for, you know, is it something I'm going to be using at all? I know, like you said, it's not going to be something where they're going to have their foot on the pedal for uh, 60 minutes every game. Um, that's just not going to happen. Um, but is it going to be a weapon that they can utilize? And is it going to be something they're going to really start to de develop and get a consistency with in practice? Um, the other thing is the slot position, like you said, versus the two tight end sets. Where are we going with that? Um, I kind of think the tight end situation really isn't deep enough right now to uh, to do those tight end sets, but maybe I could be wrong. And then the last two things is, is the option game in the offense. Obviously, if anyone's read some of my articles, uh, that's one of the things I'm looking for. And then just kind of tied into that is, the, is what's going to happen here with a running quarterback. Um, you know, Golson coming back, you have Zaire, these guys can run the ball. And um, I want to see how much that can make Brian Kelly trust running the ball, you know, not only in short yardage situations, but, um, you know, early in games, you know, kind of trying to wear teams down a little bit, not not to get too harumphy on that subject. But, uh, you know, I think with a running quarterback, I think Brian Kelly gets immensely more uh, trustful with his with being able to run the ball, which, you know, kind of makes sense. But uh he really hasn't had that luxury in the past, so that's something I'm going to be looking for this spring. 
Yeah, it, it does make sense. And, you know, the one thing that I, I forgot to mention in that that I meant to mention was, and people will talk about the zone read, and, and we're going to see that with Golson. Um, but I think the one part of the offense, you know, in terms of the, the quarterback running, the dimension that's going to add is that speed option that uh, Brian Kelly likes to run. Um, you know, if you remember a couple years ago, 2012, when we played Wake Forest, for example, and they ran just a little simple little speed option with Everett Golson and Sierra Wood, and Golson pitched it, and Wood took it for, I don't know, probably a 40-yard touchdown run, 50-yard, I don't know what it was. Um, that little dimension there, I think, is even more important than the zone read. Um, <laughs> because it makes it really tough for defenses because, you know, the offense becomes sort of balanced that they can attack you on both sides of, of the formation. So um, defenses can't kind of cheat over. So I really, really like that as a, an addition in, into their playbook, and I think that'll make a big difference. Yeah, I've been on record saying that's probably my favorite uh, football play on offense. Um, I actually think, didn't they uh, run that play again and then um, Golson... You know, he sprints out on that, that speed option, and then he takes a couple steps back, and I think he that was the pass to Goodman in that zone. It wasn't a, a beautiful pass, and Goodman was kind of covered, but ended up being a touchdown anyway. I think they ran that again and kind yeah. of got Wake Forest on the same play. But, yeah, yeah, that's kind of an old-school uh, Lou Holtz type of a play. Tony Rice was really good at running something very similar to that. He kind of run out to the side and then ducked down a little bit and, Hopefully, get a deep pass. Uh, you know, that's. Hopefully, we'll see a lot of plays like that, and uh, the offense opens up a little bit more. Yeah, it'd be nice. That's a very difficult uh, play to defend. And I think that's a play that you know. It's a good play for Colson, especially. Uh, you know, he's kind of skinny and more quick than fast, and you know, is as well as he can run in between the tackles, you know, getting him on the edge when there's only one or two defenders is somewhere where he can be really dangerous. And Also use the sideline as a bit of a crutch, you know, go out of bounds a lot more easily, not take as many hits, so uh, I love that play a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100% on that one. All right, so that's going to wrap up the 26th episode, our part one of the spring practice re preview. Uh, we'll be back with the second part later this week. Uh, I'm Eric Murtaugh, that's Lars, and we are out of here.